one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Howling Salt Mine podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sam. And as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Mike and Tony. Say hi, guys. Hi. Yo. This is a podcast where we talk about commander games. We talk about salt in commander games. We are dipping into the saltiest mine of all, which is the EDH subreddit. It's full of salty posts. And we're, we're getting those rich veins and we're hauling it back up in our mine carts and the metaphor is falling apart, but you know what I mean. But Sam, what is salt? Oh, good question, Tony. So salt is, it's kind of like in-game frustration. Sometimes it's out of game. Um, usually it has to do with like an interaction at the table, maybe like a power imbalance between decks. Maybe it's you have an expectation for a certain type of game and you find that you're actually at a table where a different type of game is happening. Maybe a certain card is pissing you off or shutting down your deck yeah salt is kind of all those things well should we get to it yeah let's do it (laughs) so i got one for you guys right here this comes to us from user l4 venda if you guys see user l4 venda on the subreddit give him an upvote and this is on the edh subreddit the post title is was i in the wrong i was playing my work deck on a table with narset enlightened master turgrid god of fright and Ishin, two heavens is one. Before the game, the Turgrid and Narset players reassured us that they weren't playing those types of decks, which in fact, they were. (laughs) Those decks. Um, Me and the Ishin player then both sort of agreed that it it was an anything goes type game. On turn five, I copied Boundless Realms to take me to 28 mana. On turn six, I then played Storm King's Thunder, where X was 22, and copied it with Warp. So I would copy the next spell 44 times. I then used Beast Within to blow up all non-creatures, including lands, followed by a Blasphemous Act. The Ishin player didn't have an issue with this, but the Narset and Turgid players kicked off and said it was an unsportsmanlike way to win and that they won't be playing with me in the future. Should I apologize, or based on the fact that it was a fairly high-powered table, was it a fair play? That sounds dope. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just such a sick line of play. Right. And anyone that's upset about that, well, that's just, that is a beautiful, beautiful way of going out there. That's awesome. It's so good, and I think it's such a clean win, too. I think we should read some of these cards, just so people have, like, the context here. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think the important ones here... Boundless Realms basically just like fetches out a ton of mana. We're not going to get into the specifics of that. Yeah, I don't think that matters. Wart is a legendary creature goblin shaman. Costs four colorless and two hybrid gruel mana. Uh, She's got an ability where she makes two 1-1 red and green goblin warriors on her ETB when she enters the battlefield. But most importantly, each red or green instant or sorcery spell you cast has Conspire. So Conspire is when you cast a spell, you can tap two untapped creatures you control, like those tokens you made, and then you copy the spell. So the other clutch one here is Storm King's Thunder. Do you have that up, Mike? All right, so 
Storm King's Thunder is X red 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 for an instant that says when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell X times. You may choose new targets for the copies. So this person pumped 22 mana, X was equal to 22, and then conspired it with Wart. And then Beast Within, I think most people know Beast Within, it's a three mana green instant. You destroy target permanent and make a, and that permanent's controller makes a 3 3 beast. So basically, doing this enough times turns the entire board into 3 3 beasts. And then you Blasphemous Act. Most people probably know what that is as well. Deals 13 damage to all the creatures in play. Uh, and it's got a cost reduction based on the number of creatures in play. Pretty good. Pretty great. <laughs> I guess I don't see exactly how the player won from there. I'm not sure if that was in the post. It doesn't say. I could see the opponents being upset to, you know, we, we talk a lot about kind of getting locked out and then the player not having a win from there. That can be annoying, but it seems like this player, I don't know, probably had some way of winning from there or at least didn't destroy their own permanence. Yeah, I, I think that's it, Mike. I think this person cast Beast Within on every permanent their opponents controlled, then wiped the board of all creatures. So they just had completely empty board states. And then they're left with their 28 mana that they fetched up. Yeah. So they're probably just dominating from that point on. You know, sometimes those types of board wipes, if you can make it asymmetrical, it is kind of a win con. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like a win by scoop. Like a lot of people will just sort of agree that it's over. Why play this out? Let's just yeah. start a new game. Right. It's going to take us all five more turns to do anything relevant. And you've got 30 lands sitting on the field. So I do want to mention why this is kind of like fitting into the salty posts because it seems like this person was sitting at a table with two very overpowered commanders. I mean, that's like the big context here, right? And Narset Enlightened Master deck, that's like usually known as an infinite turns, just like casting tons of spells for free sort of deck. And then a Turgrid God of Fright, which is like discard, uh, sacrificing effects, stealing your opponent's shit. So these are two very salt-inducing commanders playing into these. Yeah, but it sounds like they're the ones that had the salt because yeah. their yeah. shit got wrecked. But it seems like they talked about the game beforehand. You know, he mentions that the players had an opportunity at least to say, don't worry, they're not those kinds of decks. Yeah. But there's a certain element of if you're bringing a commander that has like a floor of power level that's still pretty high, I think you can't be shocked when someone... I mean, you're, you're always going to be shocked when someone Storm King's Thunders Beast Within wipes your board, but I don't think you're allowed to be upset when that happens. Yeah, I, I want to I shout out a comment here from user Chorus. If you guys see user Chorus uh, out in the uh, EDH subreddit, give them an upvote. I don't read this whole thing, but they say, the bit that gets me is there's no such thing as a not that version of Turgrid. The thing that makes Turgrid so god awful to play against is Turgrid, which is so true. Like, you can, <laughs> you know, I've seen some yeah. more casual builds of Narset and Light Master, but Turgrid just is always going to be stealing your stuff. Like, just kind of like creatures are going to die during the game. Cards might be discarded uh, just through your normal operation of your deck. And Turgrid's just going to take advantage of that, whether you've built your deck around that or not. Yeah, like I'm never going to be happy that like I either accidentally or got forced to discard a card and now my opponent has it or like my creature was sacrificed and so now 
my opponent yeah. has it. It's just the nature of the, of the card. Who knows? Sure. Maybe they're just playing the backside. Maybe they're only playing Turgrid's Lantern and targeting <laughs> themselves to make themselves sacrifice permanence and discard cards. <laughs> That's the one version of the Turgrid deck that no one else can get upset about. That would be very interesting to play with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you think about the salt rating here? To me, it sounds like the 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 salt of the the other people in the story is extremely high, uh, almost almost a full shaker. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to say that you never want to play with someone in the future and to call them unsportsmanlike is like pretty extreme. Especially for like again, they did something sick. Like if I was in a game and that happened, I'd be like, oh shit! <laughs> like yes, I've lost. It feels like they were just kind of being sore losers in this scenario. Um, I will say that there are some people in this post that are basically like, hey, you posted this just to brag about this cool play, but hey, we appreciate you. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's worth it. So good. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing. All right. You guys ready for another one? Hit me with it. Okay. This is a great one. So this comes to us from user Wilson IFL. Thanks, Wilson. If you guys see Wilson IFL on the uh, subreddits, just give them an upvote based on the uh, the tone of this one. I think they might need it. We appreciate you, Wilson. It's all in good fun. This is called, in quotes, this deck never pops off like this, end quote, equals I like to pub stomp on spell table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So Wilson says, played an EDH four to six game this evening with prismatic bridge planeswalker tribal the player had all usual suspects of the deck total board state control and i decided to scoop once i see fierce guardianship in hand just want to come here for all pub stompers with the typical line of this deck isn't really this powerful and it never pops off like this and tell you to shove it up your ass I'm sensing some salt. Wilson goes on to say, I told the player that he is way over power four to six, and he said I should stop whining, but I would hope we can all agree that Prismatic Planeswalkers with free counters is over four to six, right? Am I on crazy pills? Smiley face. And then he does describe the board state a little bit. He says his board state, Oko, Thief of Crowns, Narset, Parter of the Veils, Tefiri, Temporal Archmage, Tefiri, Time Raveler, Birds of Paradise, irrelevant. Karn, Liberated. <laughs> Kaya, Orzov, Usurper. Ajani, Unyielding. Elspeth, Sun's Champion. Mystic, Grimora. Birds and Mystic aren't really Planeswalkers, but... <laughs> no, but they no, are... But Bop was what was going to win him the game. <laughs> I think you total misread on your part, Sam. Bop is critical to Those are indicative of a, of a deck that's running at a little bit higher than a four. <laughs> I gotta say... <laughs> Yeah, the, the birds and the mystic remora, uh, like the entire board state there is top tier one, like CDH level one drops and uh, strong planeswalkers. Yeah, that that is fair. Oh, and then they ended by saying, "The fuck out of here." This little, <laughs> little cherry on top. Yeah, so you know, I picked this one obviously because it's funny, but it also just it talks about like power levels, which I think is like a huge source of salt. Mismanaging power levels. And especially when you're playing in like open metas, you know, playing virtually on like spell table with randos or or wherever, you know, there's like the play EDH subreddit, I think, or play EDH Discord channel. I just like that this guy, 
I like that this guy called out all the pub stompers. He's just like, all of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but I, I, I agree with your point. It's like, you know, power level of decks is so incredibly ar- arbitrary at this point. Like, everybody has a different scale of 1 to 10. And really, it's a scale of like six to ten because no one uses one through five generally (laughs) speaking i I think that's even like a a thing right like a statistical thing like you don't want to do scales above five i think it is or maybe even three because everything in the middle is just like kind of nothing yeah i completely agree the edh power scale you know tons of content creators talk about this but it's just kind of a mess there's that meme that like everybody says their deck is a seven it's like, why are we even using that rating system when nine and 10 are supposed to be CDH? So really it's like a one to eight system for casual and then a one or a two system for CDH. <laughs> yeah. I think the better way is sort of what I, I feel like I've heard some people say this, like what turn does your deck win on? Yeah. Like what turn are you aiming to win on? I think it's a much better gauge of like how powerful your deck is and like whether I need to grab something stronger or weaker. Yeah, yeah I think that's pretty good. Talking about deck power levels is something that is never going to be perfectly fixed. Look at our meta, for example. Tony, Mike, and I play with our good friend, Nick, and we have a very dedicated pod of four. You know, we've got a couple guys that swap in here and there when one of us can't make it. But for the most part, the four of us have been playing together consistently for, gosh, like two or three years now, it feels like. Um, Even in our very insulated meta, we have this issue all the time. Still, we'll be like, let's do a mid-power game. And usually, I mean, usually Nick, he's not here to defend himself. We'll be like, well, I only <laughs> have this one deck and it's like super strong. And that's the story of why we lost to Neheb for 20 fucking games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still salty. <laughs> well, it also, there's this thing where in Nick's case, a lot of the time, it's really just that that's the deck he wants to play. And on, on the one hand, communicating power level to people is hard. There's definitely chances where there's a mismatch just because people say, hey, I think my deck is this, and it's a very different level than what someone else thinks. But there's also, and I think this post is calling it out, a point where it's not even about miscommunication. It's just about like deceit. Yeah. Like someone being like, yeah, oh yeah, my deck is weak. Mm-hmm. And then just showing up and, and wiping the floor. You know, even a rule zero conversation or rather a pregame conversation wouldn't fix that because that player would be saying, yeah, you know, it's not that good. It's, you know, underselling what the deck can do. That That's not going to be solved by a perfectly communicated power level discussion. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, if someone is sitting down at a table with the intent to just steamroll and pub stomp, as as this person says, they're going to do it, you know? Yeah. It's not hard to do. You just yeah. pick your best deck and, yeah. and crush some noobs. Sure. And uh, I don't know, feel good <laughs> about yourself afterwards? <laughs> and and I think, I think conceding in the face of that is completely acceptable because it's like, if what you're here to do is to win and not to play an interesting game of Magic, then I can concede to you. And, you know, you've won you can have your good time and I'll go and find a different pot. And we've both got what we wanted out of it. Yeah. (laughs) Even power level aside, we don't, we obviously don't have the full picture of what the board state was uh, with this post, but that's a fucking strong board state, man. And if someone has, what is that? Like six or seven planeswalkers out. And some of them are like staxy planeswalkers or planeswalkers with removal on a stick. The writing is on the wall at a certain point. 
And I think scooping yeah. in the face of that is totally fine. That person wanted to win. I think maybe it's even you win by your opponents conceding. I think maybe even some of it, some of the salt could be coming from the fact that, like, perhaps because they hadn't won, I was actually surprised that he was reading that was a board state and it wasn't just over. Yeah. I think that's what induces a lot of salt. Like, when a game's over, it's over, right? You can move on, get the next game in. But, like, if you're just, like, waiting to die turn after turn, it gets kind of, like, painful. Definitely. Were there any, uh, were there any spicy comments for this one? Or? Yeah, let's see. This is from someone with the name Build a Deck. If you guys see Build a Deck out there, give them an up vote. Uh, and they say Fierce Guardianship came in a recent pre-con. Not that recent, but just having a card in a deck doesn't mean anything. And if he had all those planeswalkers out, that means the rest of the table wasn't doing anything about it. The bridge only poops out one thing a turn. So it took a lot of turns for you to get all of those out there and let him slowly add planeswalkers. Then you got mad when you saw a counterspell. I don't think that build a deck is wrong here. And that's that's a long amount of turns to to build that up. But at the same time, you know, I, I do get where the OP is coming from. Yeah, you can get a little subjective with that too, yeah. just because, like, I mean, I have a bridge deck, and you can do a lot of shenanigans where all of a sudden you poop out like three or four things in one turn, and maybe one of those pieces gets removed because it's a creature or something, and it's easy. But like the planeswalkers are much harder Definitely. to get rid of, generally yeah. speaking. But also, nothing stopping someone else at the table from having a super explosive turn and sending a bunch of hasty creatures at that bridge player. Like, they've got a birds. You know what's gonna what's gonna stop a, an actual large uh, board state that gets in? It's not even it's not even like Bird the game is over all. at that point. Uh, so uh, so what are we thinking, guys? What's the what's the salt ranking? Here? Oh, this is like this is like a Himalayan salt crystal. Mm. Like like one of those Himalayan <laughs> salt lamps. Like this guy is so salty. He's he's producing light. Yeah, I I agree <laughs> with that one. He's, he thinks he's shining a light on the issue with yeah. all that light, too. I will say there's a level of justification to this salt, though. Like, I can see it. I've accidentally done it in our pod once or twice. <laughs> once or I, twice. I've felt is, I think you've said this. I think 90% was... of the games you win, you've said something like, yeah. I can't believe this deck is doing this. It never goes <laughs> off this well. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> We can tell from your your laughter that you're so fucking guilty over there. <laughs> I, I will say, like, EDH decks, obviously, it's a 100-card singleton format. You are going to play it and sometimes find interactions that are stronger than what you intended when you built it, right? Like, that just kind of happens sometimes with certain decks. But to say, you know, I'm surprised my deck is popping off this way, like, you built it. You built the deck. You shouldn't be surprised. You put right. those cards in there. True. I'm salty. I'm salty now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got another one for you guys. This comes to us from user Tiger D Dragon. And the title is, Is Tabernacle of Pendril Vale too high-powered a card to run? Now, before we get into it, let me read this. Uh, Tabernacle of Pendril Vale is a legendary land. It comes from the Legends set, so it's pretty friggin' old. Uh, and it says, All creatures now require an upkeep cost of one, in addition to having any other upkeep costs they may have. If the upkeep cost for a creature is not paid, the creature is destroyed. It doesn't say buried? The text is way worse than just the original. I I'm sure that oracle text is cleaner. 
with the original text of all creatures have at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice this creature unless you pay one is that's just way cleaner yeah it's so much better (laughs) (laughs) i had to read the original though it's like way too goofy so tiger d dragon goes on to say i have been playing magic for a long time so as many people who have as well we have a lot of old cards that are pretty powerful and pricey by today's standards uh, for reference, Tabernacle of Pendrelvale is like $3,500. Like it's yeah, very, it's almost $4,000. User Tiger D Dragon goes on. I decided to make a mono white angels deck. My play group is power level seven to CDH level. So not unaccustomed to powerful decks or cards. A few decks in my play group are go wide strategies or abuse fast mana for a lot of mana dorks. A way to counter that, I thought, was maybe I put in Tabernacle of Pendrelvale. That was instantly seen as a big fuck you when I played it. <laughs> we play OG duels and Gaia's Cradle, Rule of Law, Stacks Pieces, and even the occasional Smoke Stack, all of which are sort of fuck you cards. What was the difference with Tabernacle that isn't as bad about the other cards mentioned? I tried to ask, but it was just more of the card was too powerful, with no direct response for how that card seemed to be so off-putting at the table. Not the fact that literally the next game, a player won on turn one with mono red goblins. We all went into the game knowing we're playing high powered. That's kind of interesting. I feel like uh, I don't understand why if they're if they've got that much power in the pot, especially like turn one wins and stuff. Like, why do they care about tabernacle? Yeah. <laughs> like, why was that the straw that broke the camel's yeah, that's back? Super weird. Know? I can see players being upset by the monetary level of a card being out of whack. But I, even that doesn't make sense because they say they're playing, you know, OG duels and guys cradle. Like I yeah. doubt they're actually like I would imagine they've maybe proxied some of these cards. I think this is a case of someone being upset that it's impacting their current board state and saying that a card's too good, and then not wanting to explain it because the explanation is just that card is screwing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, the card examples at the poster here provides are all in line with tabernacle the one difference that i see is like when you think about some of these other annoying pieces like rule of law or smokestack you know these are things that are irritating but can be easily played around like if i'm playing like a huge swarming let's say a swarming goblin deck that is trying to win super fast like what is in this person's pod i can play around rule of law it's just gonna take me a few more turns I can play around smokestack. I'm going to make goblins that I can sack off to the smokestack ability. But tabernacle is just like a direct fuck you to that strategy. So Mike, I think you're totally spot on here. The only other thing that can make people evaluate tabernacle as like even stronger is that it is a land. So if your pod has, you know, a stigma against forms of land destruction, like if people aren't running any kind of strip mine or aren't willing to run any kind of land destruction at all, then yeah, then it's an invulnerable stacks piece. But at the point where you're playing really powerful effects, I think that stigma is generally dropped as well. So it might just be this weird thing where their pot is really high powered in most ways, but has like this one hole uh, in terms of things they're not allowed to, to interact with. Well, yeah, like, so for the record, the one thing I'd say is like, in this pod, I think it makes no sense for people to be salty about it. In general, I am salty if someone drops Tabernacle because I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, 
I just, I'm just trying to play. I got my creatures. <laughs> like, come on. And the power level here, again, we were talking about how subjective power levels can be. Level 7 to CDH, again, just another great example of how subjective a 7 is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, any any interesting comments for this one? or? Yeah, that there's a top comment here. Um, user Sentier. If you see user Sentier in the subreddit, give them an upvote. They say, that's probably just saltiness. Tab Tabernacle can be hard to remove because it's a land. Hey, great minds. And hey, at hey. level 7 to CDH, you better have something to remove a land or a way to turbo combo before stacks is unbearable. All right, maybe at 7, it might just be a little bit overwhelming. But above that, it's just another stacks piece. I totally agree to that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, Tiger D Dragon responded and said, okay, yeah, we were definitely rule zero as eight to nine, not optimized to CDH levels. So I was just kind of taken aback by the salt towards it. So they weren't even playing at their low, low, lower power levels in their pod at that moment. This really just kind of seems like wrong card, wrong time for one of the opponents. Yep. Classic textbook salt. Alrighty. What's the vibe then? Salt levels? I think for this one, it's maybe like medium salt. It seems like this play group is, is pretty used to playing into these like salty stacks cards. And this one just kind of pushed it over the edge. Yeah, I agree on it being sort of a medium salty level. I think that the answer to this salt is honestly not necessarily this person taking Tabernacle out of their deck, but maybe just encouraging the other players to deal with it better. All righty. Well, guys, um, that was a lot of salt, and I think we should have a little bit of a sugar rush, a little sugar break here. Yay! Bam, 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 Sugar bam. break. <laughs> so for those that are new to the podcast, sugar break is a little segment where we, we take a break from the saltiness, and we have something sweet to snack on. We get some good news, some positive vibes from the subreddits. And this one mm. today comes to us from Majestic Failure. If you guys see user Majestic Failure, give them an upvote. If you already haven't, because this is a pretty big post. And the title is, Grandmom seriously loves that I play this game and it makes her so happy. <laughs> it's very sweet. Cute. So Majestic Failure says, I don't remember how this started, but every week when I play, she gets so excited for a day ahead of time and asks the next day if I destroyed the others. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. I'm glad you had fun, but it's about winning, is what she says. <laughs> <laughs> this grandma Yo. fucking rocks. Grandma knows what's at. <laughs> Whenever I buy a new booster, we always open it together. Aww. And she's too far gone to understand okay. any mechanics, but she loves to look at each card and gets excited when they look vicious. Any new deck I make has to get her approval. Oh, these new guys make your old ones look like sissies. Oh, that's a, little, <laughs> a little problematic, Grandma, but that's fine. So and when I couldn't find my keys for a couple of days, she said, no, Stamps Foot. You need to find them so you can go to cards. That's my night out. <laughs> now we see. <laughs> uh, her life has become really monotonous since moving in with us. We don't neglect her or anything. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, for real. But no grandpa, no neighborhood friends, and no beloved car. Basically a 14-year-old stuck at home for the summer. And I think magic really gives her something to look forward to. Oh, also, uh, gonna buy a collector's booster this week and say she has the magic touch pulling all the good cards. That's actually so sweet. super wholesome. And Isn't it? Nice, yeah. I feel like That's it's hard great. to find things like that on the internet. It blew up. It got like 
almost 1300 upvotes hell yeah but yeah i just thought this one was like was very sweet i really liked it all the comments are basically like so wholesome thank you for sharing yeah this is wholesome people reminiscing about their grandmas it's just kind of like a cool a cool post hopefully nobody's a dick <laughs> like in there like coming in hot like fuck grandma like yeah, and you would want to build such good decks to go rep your grandma after that too yeah for real <laughs> yeah how could you lose after that yeah imagine like your grandma amping you up and then you just fucking lose all night <laughs> and you have to come back to to that person that you know by proxy brought you into this world and face them <laughs> Tell them that you're a scrub. Like, no, Grandma, I lost every game. <laughs> and that was the sugar break. So sweet. Don't get a cavity from all that sugar. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, I think it's that time of the week, Mike. Mm-hmm. What is our salty card of the week? Ooh, baby. All right, well... Uh, I've got two forests here, and this is because they you have are, two uh, forests here. Yeah, no, that would be quite <laughs> salt-inducing. Uh, I have I have two cards for us this week. It's uh, again a combo since they have the same rules text here, and in fact they've got the same mana cost. So this is Ravages of War and Armageddon. They're both uh. three and a white for a sorcery. And the rules text for both of them is simply destroy all lands. I know I went first last time, but I, I, I'm seething. (laughs) I feel like, you know, what gets me going. And this definitely does. Like, Oh my fucking God. How am I the saltiest player? Like, (laughs) Oh, well, I feel like these kinds of cards like just don't exist in most metas. Right. I think one of the main reasons I feel the most salt on this card is because We've had games in our meta where somebody has done this and then didn't win. Who like, who did that? It yeah, who did that? What who did mean? that, Tony? What do you mean? Who are you talking about? Who destroys all permanents? What are well, you talking about? Twice is Nick and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> like we had games where they both, I mean, to their credit, they thought they were going to win, but somebody had an answer. Cough, Sam. He usually <laughs> has an answer. And it's one of those times when I wish he didn't use it. It's like, just like, let us die. And, and I like, won. I won that game. It was great. <laughs> but we legitimately played another game of Commander, right? It was like we were about halfway through at the end point. We were at the end point, and then we played another hour and a half. All of us. <laughs> ugh. To be fair, those are slightly different effects. That was Yakel Hops and Bearer of the Heavens, which which we will talk about someday. Yes, those will those will be coming down. But these are specifically just destroying all the lands. Uh, think, so Sam, does this effect make you salty? Yeah, I mean, like Tony, I, I've never really come up against Armageddon. It definitely makes me salty. Like I think it, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, you know, in our first episode, which is slamming down a card that vastly warps how people play, or sets you back to like a completely blank board state that you need to build back from, and having no way to win from it. I think regardless of what effect you're using. If that is the kind of thing you're doing, that's going to be super salt-inducing, you know? Like, we don't want to sit here and play a whole nother game uh, and try to build back up. Or, or when it comes to cards like Armageddon, it's kind of an interesting one because that's not going to hit your dorks. 
It's not going to hit your rocks, which a lot of casual decks are running lots of rocks now. So this is going to really hurt like land ramp decks, of which there are many. But a lot of decks are running like five to sometimes ten rocks in like a casual deck. It's not unheard of. So I think depending on your deck, maybe this isn't so bad. But generally speaking, we're all playing lands. It's going to suck. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think this one would make me pretty salty if it got dropped on me, uh, especially because I'm pretty bad at <laughs> building appropriately ramping decks. So it takes a lot for me to just get the normal <laughs> amount of lands and then trying to do it again. That's not going to happen. This makes me feel like when you're at like a diner and you go to pour a little bit of salt on your food and some dick has like undone the top and it all comes out like that's the <laughs> amount of salt I feel right now. <laughs> Like, I freaking hate land destruction. Just, what diners are you going to? Yeah, who's doing that? <laughs> the same ones that I was at when I was in high school. <laughs> that I probably did it. Tony, are rowdy yeah. teens pranking you? <laughs> I think I think there's definitely something to be said for this effect being generally so salt inducing that that it's like been social contracted removed from the game. Like this is like a soft band card, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think you might try and cast this in some playgroups and have people just reject it and say, no, you don't yeah. get to. That's a powerful that. amount of salt generation to counter a card without using a card. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that at some point in this in this podcast, I'm sure as well. But ooh, mm. what what's the, what is that? I'm tasting a little bit of salt from Mike. Still, mm. legacy <laughs> salt. Oh, we can we can wait. Yeah, that's some legacy salt for another time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, sweet guys, that is our episode. Find us on Reddit, guys. Uh, our username is the Howling Salt Mine. Email us at our Gmail, howlingsaltmine at gmail.com. Email us your salty stories. Email us stories about where you made 44 copies of Beast Within and <laughs> made your whole table just rage quit and they were salty. <laughs> tell, tell us about that kind of shit. Any we would love it. Know about. <laughs> and we would, we'll love it. We'll talk about it. And, you know, keep in mind, keep it short, sweet, and to the salt when you send those. Uh, hey. Well, thanks, everybody. Um, I'm Sam. I'm Tony. I'm Mike. And as always, stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during the draw step. It's the Howling Salt going to keep taking them clean me and the ishan player then sort both sort of agreed that that's clean <laughs> <laughs> that's clean as me fucking it up another time oh god that's maybe that'll in. be the blooper at the end yeah <laughs>